communications disruption can mean only one thing. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Rick Villanueva, here once again. Um, it is Jammed Transmissions. Um, we're going to go ahead and call this another Jammed Transcriptions episode. So I guess it's Chapter 5, technically, of Jammed Transcriptions, because we're going to be talking about some book stuff. Um, you guys know my stance. I talked about it last time with regards to the writer strike and the actor strike that is currently going on right now. Um, I don't want to talk about the movies or the TV shows uh, in solidarity with the actors uh, and writers that are currently out of work. Um, and I think as Ahsoka does come out, what I'm going to what I'm going to do is probably record reactions and just bank them. And then whenever the strike is over, probably release them. Um, I don't want to do much as far as promotion of the show until they decide that they want to pay the actors and the writers what they deserve. So that's my stance on all that. Um, we have a couple of things that we're going to talk about in the book space today. Um, we'll see how brief we can keep this, but there is a lot to go through. Uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks as they have been as summers go. Uh, when you got kids, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with camps and getting ready for back to school in a couple of weeks. And, um, let's talk about a couple of things that we've had come out. Mm, I am like air quoting news wise, because there's been some stuff to talk about. So, um, a new book release, uh, star Wars related that was announced this week. So Billy D Williams was talking about, uh, something that he was proud to announce on his so socials this past week. And it turns out he's got a memoir coming out called what have we here? Uh, it's going to be out February 13th of next year, which I believe is also Henry Rollins' birthday for all my punk rock fans out there. Um, it's going to be coming out by Knopf Publications, and it had uh, there was a cover reveal, and I think it was like in People Magazine or something. And it's it's Lando on the cover. It's Billy D, but it's him in his Lando glory with his whole cape and all of that. So where'd you get that cool space cape, brother? Like that whole thing. Um I don't know if I'm going to go ahead and read this. I'll probably pick up the audio book for it. Cause I think Billy D is recording the audio book himself. So looking forward to that, that comes out next year. Um, there was some other talk TV wise. I just want to talk about this briefly with regards to the Lando TV series that was announced a couple of years ago that I guess Donald Glover and his brother are now going to be writing the show. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it. Kind of sucks that Justin Simeon says he found out online um, that he was no longer part of the show. I don't want to say that I doubt the guy, but I mean, I'd like to think that they told him, I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of weird business stuff with agents and things like that, that we're not really privy to regardless. It sucks for him. Um, but for what I understand, what, uh, Donald Glover and his brother have done with Atlanta could shape up to be pretty, uh, a pretty good show. Uh, at least from a writing standpoint. And Donald Glover has said that, you know, he doesn't want to do anything if it, that he he doesn't feel that it's worth his time. So um, that's all I'm going to say about that. You know, that's just some kind of newsy stuff for myself. Um, I, a week or two ago received advanced copies of EK Johnston's uh, Crimson Climb and the High Republic short story book, uh, Tales of Light and Life. And I finished Crimson Climb. Um, took me a few days to get through that. And uh, I'm not going to really talk about my thoughts on it now because I do want to record a review and get that out. But the book's not out till October. So there's a little bit of time 
for me to kind of gather thoughts and stuff. Now, I don't want to put out anything too early and have it get kind of lost in the shuffle with other shows and things like that. Um, so you can expect a review a little bit closer to release, maybe towards the end of September. I'll put something together for that. Um, and I have started Tales of Light and Life. I've only read two stories in it. I don't want to say too much. Again, the book's not out until September 5th. So we've got about a month until that comes out. Um, of the two stories that I've read, and I'm not saying if I'm reading the book in order, um, one I really liked and one I can kind of take it or leave it. So uh, the one that I really liked, I really liked. But I don't want to say too much. Again, I'll have a review for that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, leading up to the book's um, release. And for both of these, well, for Light and Life, the review embargo was lifted the, the day that I got the books. Um, so, I mean, I could talk about it, but I haven't finished it. And for Crimson Climb, there was no embargo. So I could I could talk about that right now too, but I'm going to wait until um, the book's released to really get into some of the nitty gritty for all of that. Um. I want to extend some, I don't want to say congratulations are the right word or is the right word for this, but our friends over at the Bad Motivators podcast have decided that after six years, they want to close up shop and there's no ill will or bad blood between them or anything, but they decided after 333 episodes and however many they've done on their Patreon, um, that now is the time to, to stop. Uh, they got that mad that, that motivator fixed. And uh, they're no longer bad motivators anymore, but they're good. Um, I wanted to say personal thank yous to Eric and Luke and Dallas. Um, I was a guest on their show a while back, episode 211. I had to look this up. Um, the episode was affectionately titled Assian Candor. So uh, thanks, Jagoffs, for <laughs> throwing that title on the episode that I was on. But I do remember it was a good time. Um, hanging out with the lads then and getting to meet all three of them at Celebration Chicago and, you know, becoming friends with them outside of the shows. Uh, in their last episode, you know, they, they made a point to say over and over again that, you know, Star Wars is this thing that brought us all together um, within the community, however we view that, if it's on Twitter or Facebook or social media. Um, but real lasting friendships have grown out of this thing um, away from Star Wars where, you know, we'll talk about our families or our kids or just check up on each other to see how we're doing. And I know for myself, um, I've had conversations with Eric on the phone, just, you know, asking advice or kind of, you know, takes on things pertaining to real life. And Eric's been there for me uh, at a couple of times when I really needed someone to, to just listen and he's uh, he's offered up his time to you know listen to me rant or or you know throw out some questions or something. And I really uh, appreciate all of that. Uh, thank you guys for six years of wonderful podcasting. Um, you know, I, I around the time that I started listening to podcasts, just in general, it was maybe about five ish years ago. Um, and there were a few episodes or shows that I was discovering that had been around for some time uh, prior to that, that um, I didn't really gel with for different reasons. And um, the motivators was one of those shows that way early on 
they, you know, those three guys, they just felt relatable. They were telling stories about themselves and they're collecting. That wasn't just, here's the news. You know, they were offering up personal things about themselves that um, I wasn't really hearing in shows um, that I was listening to at the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of shows do things like that, but uh, it took me a while to discover other shows like the motivators. And at the time they were part of a network and that's how I found some other shows like blue harvest and the Sith list and, and things like that. And, you know, I can happily say that because of these shows um, a lot of these people, a lot of these hosts and stuff have become good friends. And, you know, where we, we talk outside of these shows and, and I'm grateful for the advice that I've gotten from a lot of people in regards to podcasting and just other stuff, but specifically for the motivators um, you guys are the best and I'm sad to see you go, but you know, these episodes, they'll, they'll live in the ether somewhere and we'll, we'll go back and revisit them. And, um, I went back and listened to a couple of shows that I might, that I think I missed through their Patreon. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, it, it's weird knowing that the show is over. It's almost a little bittersweet hearing them now, these recordings that are over a year old of episodes that I missed and, um, just knowing there's not going to be any, any new ones. So, um, thanks guys. And, you know, six years, it's, it's a hell of a run and, uh, you guys, you guys are the best, some of the best. So, uh, moment of silence for the bad motivators. That's all you get. Um, okay. So this week there was also the announcement of all of the stories that are going to be in the, from a certain point of view, return of the Jedi book that comes out, um, at the end of August, August 29th to be exact. And so they did this for the first two books where they reveal these like um, title cards isn't exactly the right word, but you know, little blurbs of each of the 40 stories. And there's some kind of through lines for each of the three books in some of these stories. Um, and then there's kind of just the way out wacky stuff. So what I want to do today, and this is going to be the bulk of the show is talk about 10 of these stories that I think I'm most looking forward to um, for when this book comes out that, that I want to read. So these are in no particular order. Um, this is not like a ranking of my excitement or anything like that. These are just the ones that kind of caught my eye with a couple of honorable mentions that we'll talk about maybe at the end. But um, the book's coming out, uh, like I said, August 29th by Penguin Random House Worlds, uh, which is uh, an imprint on Del Rey. Excuse me, I burped. And let's let's get into it, guys. Um, so this year, we know it's the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. We've talked about this before. Um, getting to see the movie in theaters um, when it came out was, uh, was another treat for me. And you guys know my personal connection with the movie and stuff like that with regards to my dad. I don't know. We're not going to talk about that. But there's been a lot of tie-in material with Return of the Jedi, especially in the comic book space with a lot of the one-shots that have come out um, and doing some of the quick shots for Broaxium um, has been a real treat to be able to read these books and uh, like really get into like how they connect with the movie and stuff like that. But so far, and I say this having not read the Max Rebo book that is out this week yet, um, but the Rebellion one-shot by Alex Segura is probably my favorite of these one-shot books that have come out. It is, um, it ties in a lot with Alex Segura's um, Poe Dameron Freefall YA novel that came out a couple years ago. There's a lot of overlapping characters and stuff. And 
I was reading the comic was like, I know these names from somewhere and I had to look them up. It's been a while since I read the book and we did a review for it on this show, me and Pete, uh, way, way back. And that issue um, had a lot of cool stuff in it, just besides just the connection, the connections with the characters and stuff. But um, how Mon Mothra views herself within the rebellion at this time, because that comic takes place about a week before the Battle of Endor. Um, highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite comics to come out in the Star Wars space in in quite a long time. Um, and it's a one shot, so you don't really need to know anything else outside of it to really like gear up or prepare for it. just Return of the Jedi, just a movie. Um, but with that and the release of this book coming out at the end of the month, um, you know, again, they release these kind of cards for the stuff. And there's always these really wackadoo stories that come out of these kinds of books. Um, like each book has like a creature story. And I know for the first book, it was the um, the Dianoga in the uh, trash compactor. And, you know, it was really weird. And like find out there was some kind of like force connection with the Dianoga. And um, it's a very strange story. I forget who wrote that one. But and then the second book had the um, the Exegorth, you know, the big uh, space slug in Empire Strikes Back and how they age. Like, you know, they have these really super long lifespans and time is very weird for them. And the. Uh, when the Falcon is inside its mouth, it's kind of like views it as like its friends or whatever. It's a very weird story. Um, this whole like eons of time with the Exegorth. And this book has a book, uh, a story about the Sarlacc. Um, it, it's not one of the ones that I have on my list, guys, but I, I do want to talk about this one uh, briefly. It's called My Mouth Never Closes by Charlie Jane Anders. Um and without reading all of the blurb that's here for it, just to find out that the Sarlacc just, I mean, wanted friends um, is an interesting take. And however you want to view like the quote unquote canon uh, of these stories, who cares about any of that kind of stuff? I mean, it's a fun story. These are fun stories that really have no bearing on the rest of the movie or anything like that. Uh, it does make you kind of feel bad Afterwards, knowing what Boba Fett did to the Sarlacc in the book of Boba Fett, um, he just wanted to give it a hug. He just wanted to give the slave one a hug with its face. You know, that's what the, that's what he was doing. We come to find out that the Sarlacc is lonely. They migrate, they burrow in the sand. They want to be buddies with everybody. Um, but you know, every one of these stories has one of those. And there's also uh, each of the books has a story written by the Wills. And uh, those have all three of them have done by been done by Tom Engelberger, so he had one in the um, A New Hope in Empire, and then there's going to be one in this one that closes out the book. So those are like two of the connective threads that kind of go through all three. But as far as specific story goes, I just wrote these down, so we'll get into them. Um, the first one that came up for me was Fancy Man by Phil Shostak, and it's um, story number two in the book. Uh, as these cards were released. And it's a story about Max Rebo. Now, we know Max Rebo survives Return of the Jedi because he's in the Book of Boba Fett. He's in, um, what's her name's, uh, in the sanctuary in the bar playing music with the uh, R5 drummer thing or whatever. And Max is smart. 
You know, that's what the story tells me is that he's got some, uh, he's got some wits about him and, and survival is something that is obviously on his mind. Um, and we'll see what we get with this, the Max Rebel one shot that's coming out this week, which I should be doing the quick shot for. Um, so real quick, it just says that uh, he's on the sail barge and then all the lights go out and that's when he took his cue to leave. So like Maxwell's like, I'm out. I'm not trying to die here. Um, I got, I don't know, a family to feed maybe. You know, you got uh, more to live for. And we do see later on. And who knows if he survives the end of Book of Boba Fett. That whole thing blew up. Spoilers. Hopefully he got out. I don't know how he scooted along out of there if he just rolled up his in his organ like a donut or something and uh, flew his way out of there. But um, this could be one of those fun stories that, um, you know, seeing exactly how he survived, if he got injured at all, if he had to like crawl his way through the sands of Tatooine to find some kind of safety. Um, who knows? But I do know that, you know, Phil's been really excited about this one. He's, you know, alluded to some things on his Twitter um, over the last couple of months. It's about his love for uh, Max Rebo. Uh, Kristen Baber as well, talking about uh, hashtag Rebooty. Um, so the second story that kind of got me here is a story called The Plan by Saladin Ahmed. And this is story number six. And... Um, the first line that's in the little blurb, it just says, someday, kid, I'm going to feed my beast a Jedi. Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, who gets a laugh in the movie because he cries when the Rancor dies. Um, but, I mean, I know it's played for laughs, but I mean, there's a connection there. He clearly cared for the Rancor. And knowing that he kind of had this plan for what he wanted to do with the rank or give me like an extra special treat. You know, them Jedi got some extra spice in their blood or something. And, um, he wanted to do something for his little pet buddy, his big pet buddy, um, as vicious as he might've seemed to other people. You know, he just is a rarity. Is it the Jedi or a delicacy in the galaxy? Um, it kind of reminds me of, um, or was that kind of a crossover with the Afra and Luke? Where they meet the like vampire lady who wants like Jedi blood. Kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Um, I can't think of the name of that. It'll come to me much later on, and I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm a dope because I couldn't remember it in the moment. But um, and I wanna say Malakili's in the aftermath trilogy. I'm pretty sure there's a Malakili story in the aftermath. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure there's something with Malakili afterwards. Um so yeah, if he was at, you know, Jabba's, uh, yeah, if he was there, you know, he wouldn't have been on the barge, I don't think. So, okay. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Uh, story three, speaking of Kristen Baber a minute ago, um, Satisfaction by about Size Noodles uh, from Kristen Baber. And Size Noodles is one of those characters that a lot of people like. It's one of them glove shittos that people like gravitate to and i see no problem with that size noodles is pretty cool now there's size noodles in the original return of the jedi there's size noodles in the special edition um and there's also size noodles from clone wars 
Uh, Size Noodles is an interesting character as she's gotten more fleshed out in uh, subsequent stuff from the original release of the movie. And she's she ruthless. She's been, she's done some things. And finding out what the story might be, if there was a plan that she had in place as far as why go, why she went to Jabba's palace to begin with. Um, it's not a place that she would probably have survived in well, because, you know, Tatooine is, is very arid. And I guess according to her species, like that, that ain't good. She had to moisturize quite a bit. Um, but there's a reason for her being there and maybe we'll find out what it is in this story. Um, where does she learn her dance moves? How does she reach her mouth to put her lipstick on? Are her arms that long? Yeah, I guess they are that long. Um, never really considered size noodles anatomy, but, but yeah, the question here is why had she come to this worthless rock? Who knows? Couldn't have just been for work. Had to be something else going on, especially knowing what she did to that other hut. Why would she want to work for Jabba the Hut? Um, hmm. Interesting and intriguing. Intriguing indeed. Um, the next one that caught my attention was uh, a story called The Light That Falls. And this is story number 13 in the book by Akemi Don Bowman. Um, and this story seems to be written from the point of view of the dragon snake on Dagobah. Um, that's the thing that tries to eat R2 in the water. when Luke tells him, you know, you're lucky you don't taste very good, but it seems to me like the dragon snake, uh, bright eyes. I'm assuming the name is bright eyes. That's what it sounds like. Uh, feels or notices that, the light is gone from Yoda's little hut. Um, I guess the wildlife there maybe would have, you know, just noticed that, you know, there was somebody there that was going about their daily stuff and cooking their root leaf stew, having a, a ship land twice, crash once, land once uh, there. And, uh, you know, who knows what Yoda was doing in his downtime. If he was just having conversations with, Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon, or if he was doing weird Revenge of the Sith flip-de-doos for exercise. Uh, maybe that's why he was so tired by Return of the Jedi. He had done so many flips that he just made himself so tired that he was like, yeah, it's my time. I didn't, I'd done my last flip-de-do and uh, it's time for me to be one with the Force. He did one last flip-de-do right before Luke got there the second time and he was like, that's it. My batteries are expired. I got to go be one with the force. Um, but having it, the perspective of a creature feel or notice that Yoda's not there gives a little bit more weight to what Yoda says about what the force is, that it's a connection between all living things, between the tree, all the stuff um, that the, uh, this dragon snake would have. It just shows the kind of connection between all the life that's, you know, there on Dagobah. And, you know, that's like, Maybe Yoda went swimming in that water. You know what I mean? Maybe he had like a weird relationship with that dragon steak where it was just like, hey, I'm going to swim here, but like, don't eat me. Like, I'm just trying to get my laps in, trying to stay young and liber. That's where he did his aqua, his aqua aerobics, whatever it's called, um, 
to stay uh, spry and limber, even though he used the cane and stuff. But um, interesting uh, perspective story, which you guys know me, perspectives in Star Wars. Um, that's uh, that's a pretty big deal um, for me as far as um, some of the stuff with these stories, both uh, in world and uh, in the real people that come on the show and talk about the stuff. Uh, number five for me is a tie. So um, I put these two together for reasons of storytelling later on things that we know from some of the other subsequent books, um, at least chronologically. But the first one is the buy-in by Suzanne Walker. And, uh, when fire marked the sky by Emma Miko, uh, Candon, who wrote the Ronin novel. Now these two stories, I'm lumping these together because Suzanne Walker's story is about Nora Wexley. All right. Um, mother of Snap Wexley, Temin Wexley, um, who we knew, who we know in the um, aftermath books and the sequel trilogy, R.I.P. Um, and Emma's story is about Wedge Antilles. Now, what you got are these two pilots, right? And spoilers for anybody who hasn't read the stuff later on or doesn't keep up with a lot of the books, but in the aftermath books, or I should say, maybe even later on, uh, specifically in Resistance Reborn. I think it was uh, Rebecca Roanhorse's book. It takes place between episodes eight and nine. Uh, Nora and Wedge, um, they have a relationship. You know, Wedge effectively becomes Snap's stepfather. Uh, they get married and they have a life and stuff. And they get called to action back into the war um, in um, in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And... Uh, Knowing what their relationship was, uh, maybe this is the beginning of, uh, you know, them crossing paths uh, was during the Return of the Jedi time. Because I don't remember the specifics around at the Aftermath books and if when they meet. Um, but clearly they've known each other. You know, Nora's been with the Rebellion and stuff like that. Um, but she's flying my favorite ship on the Rebellion side. It's the Y-Wing guys. I'm a Y-Wing dude. Send your hate mail somewhere else. The Y-Wing's a dope ship. I don't care what anybody says about it. I know it's not as flashy as the X-Wing. It doesn't have the speed of an A-Wing. It's not as badass as a B-Wing. Um, but the Y-Wing is the... Um, that's all reliable for me. So I do like that uh, Nora's flying that. And it's going to be cool to see like her connection to the ship and all of that stuff, especially knowing what her relationship is with, with Snap later on, because I believe they have a falling out and then they eventually kind of reunite um, when snap is like 16 or something, I think that's what he is in the aftermath books. Um, and as far as, um, Emma's story with, um, uh, with wedge Antilles, let me find the card here real quick. Uh, this is, oh, this one's way later. This is story number 35. Um, when fire marked the sky. So his story seems to be taking place more during the actual battle over Endor in the death star. Uh, and it just says, Wedge Antilles had the thought he never, ever let himself have. Ah, we're going to die. Um, sounds a little bit ominous, but we kind of know if you, you know, pay attention to the movie, Wedge, they get out. And I mean, I kind of spoiled all that anyway, because I was talking about stories happen later on. But um, cool piloting stories. There's like there's a grip of, of pilot stories in this book, and I'm sure they're all going to be great. But these two, knowing these characters um, and knowing that a lot of their stories exist uh, primarily in the book space for me is intriguing. Um, 
And with a lot of people doing Rebels rewatches, I haven't yet. I don't know if, I don't think we're going to have time to do that before um, the show starts at the end of the month. But knowing that that's where uh, Wedge's story kind of starts um, in Rebels, um, you know, should be pretty interesting to see where it is at this point in the timeline. Okay, so moving on, the next story, oh, this one, uh, written by Sarah Kuhn, who wrote the Afra audiobook um, that came out a couple years ago. This one's going to be kind of tough. Um, it's even tough to just, like, even acknowledge it. And it's, like, centered around one of the saddest things in all of Star Wars, guys. Um, the story is called The Ballad of Nanta. And if the name doesn't ring a bell, um, Nanta is the Ewok that gets shot and killed by the ATSD um, when like the music changes and then the other Ewok like crouches over and then Nanta dies. And it's like legit, like the saddest thing in all of Star Wars. Uh, just ask uh, Chris Ryans. And uh, this story, um, whether it's hard to know how these stories are going to be framed within the book itself, whether they're going to be just, you know, from these characters points of view or about these characters. And this is one that I think can be a little bit of both. And I'm going to read the entire blurb for this one, but what you have is uh, it says story keepers hold all of our greatest legends, both true and made up. And sometimes a little bit of each low gray explained. And they often craft their own, again, both true and made up, and sometimes a little bit of each, Nanta murmured. These stories are passed down among our people so that we never forget how we came to be and who we are, the Shama continued, or why we are, Nanta said. Now, obviously, the Ewoks step up, they do what they need to do to help the rebellion, but to have the kind of heroic sacrifice of Nanta be highlighted so much in the movie. Um, like this story is going to add a lot of weight to that sacrifice. And who knows? Nanta might be like uh, reluctant to want to fight. You know, maybe Nanta has this, you know, kind of happy life on Endor and they are uh, persuaded into fighting. And it's not just about like, you know, they shooting, but you know, it like, there's like a legit reason to want to help. And maybe there's like some kind of turnaround for the character in the story. Um, if that, I don't know if that's the case or not guys, I haven't read the book, but um, I have a feeling it's going to make that scene hit that much harder uh, as hard as it is to watch just on its own. But um, I'm like both looking forward to the story and not looking forward to it because I don't need the heartache, guys, is this always going to hurt? Pardon me while I take a sip in my water. Um, but I have a feeling that uh, Sarah Coon's going to break my damn heart. And uh, I'm kind of mentally preparing myself for it. Next on the list, this one, probably the most surprising of all of these um, reveals. So far, every reveal up to this point has been a character who's in the movie. Or, you know, appears on screen, you know, in the case of like the dragon snake or something like that, or the Sarlacc. But 
this one, outside of just like kind of the wackiness of the subject matter, again, the most important thing about Star Wars is perspectives, both ours and characters. This one is going to be very interesting for me to read. Um, it is story number 27. Nope. 37 in the book. So it's going to be way late. Um, and it's called The Veteran by Adam Lance Garcia. Um, Adam was super excited for this news to come out. And I can't say that I blame him. Adam has been like kind of teasing this a little bit about like, y'all ain't ready. And uh, I legitimately was not ready for this one. No slang even for, I was so serious about it. I was not prepared for this uh, story because it's about Dexter Jetster. And it blows my mind a little bit. Like Dexter uh, has a very long life. We did not know anything about how long the basilisk species lives. Um, I think there's only other one, only been one other on screen that I'm aware of. Um, and that's Poncrell, that jerk. Um, but again, it's a real short blurb. I'm going to read this one. It says Dexter Jetster thought of the boy he had met on Lanara and all that the boy would never see. He thought of the warrior the boy had become in the war that had been lost. The war Dexter Jetster had helped start. Man, if that doesn't get my wheels turning, because obviously he's talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, for anybody who hasn't read the Padawan novel by Kirsten White, first of all, do so. It's a wonderful book. Um, one of my favorites that came out last year. And uh, it's young Obi-Wan kind of runs away and he finds this planet, Lenora, and the planet is like kind of alive and kind of almost trying to kill the people that are there. Um, and Dexter's part of this like pirate crew, if you will, that's coming to like strip these. Uh, this liquid from the planet, um, which is like the book's all about like balance and, you know, stuff like that. And has a lot to do with like ecology and, you know, like environmental kind of stuff like that, like under, you know, that's kind of like thematically what the book is about. But Dexter met Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan was like 15 or 16 years old, knew him way back when, you know, we see the relationship that they have in attack of the clones started somewhere and it started in that book. Um, so, giving jet dexter the um the added weight of like having known obi-wan maybe not knowing what happened to obi-wan at the end maybe we'll find out if he did or not but um he this is just it's it's a super interesting premise to have a character who's not in the movie talk about a character who's barely in the movie uh and give his thoughts on like the state of the galaxy and where he was when the Republic fell Um, and his role in all of it. Does he feel guilt for sending Obi-Wan to Kamino? Who knows? You know, what's, what's he been up to all of these years? Um, And, you know, there's been all of these articles about this particular story and people's takes have been all over the place with it. Good, bad, or in between like why Dexter for a return of the Jedi story my question is, why not? I mean, that's a very George Lucas way to be about it is why not? You know, it's, it, there is relevance to a story like this because it's about somebody's outsider view on events of the galaxy that, you know, he may or may not have set in motion. It's very interesting. 
And I'm assuming Adam pitched the story to them. Cause from what I understand, there's usually like a list of characters that are um, available to write these stories about. And I, I can't see Dexter Jetster being on that list. Um, I would almost, I can almost see Adam going to them and saying like, what if we did this way out of left field, bringing this other character. And they were like, God damn it. That's a good idea. Um, and uh, if you're listening, Adam, and I have no reason to think he's not, um, this might be my number one anticipated story for the entire thing. Maybe it's a, the next one is, is like maybe real close to like tying that, but um, maybe I'm looking at my notes here, my analog notes I do on paper guys. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there's going to be lots to say about the story after it comes out. But for right now, this is probably the one that I'm anticipating the most because it's so out of left field guys. It, I, it, I know it just seems very unique to do a story like this. Anyway, moving on, um, running up uh, like a close number two as far as the anticipation goes, or maybe even tied uh, in that regard, is a story by Mike Chen called Brotherhood. And from what this story seems like it's going to be, um, it might be the moment of Anakin's death after, you know, talking with Luke about the, you know, tell your sister you were right, all of that stuff. Um and if I'm not mistaken, Mike Chen is only the second author to have a short story, one of these books, uh, to share a title with a book that they wrote or will have written because in the, from a certain point of view, oh boy, I forget which one it's in. If it's in the A New Hope or Empire book, it's a 50-50, but Claudia Gray has a story called Master and Apprentice um, about Obi-Wan. And uh, Qui-Gon. So I'm pretty sure that's in the A New Hope book. Uh, but Mike Chen last year had the book Brotherhood about Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, that is, uh, you know, takes place during the Clone Wars. Well, yeah, it's during the Clone Wars. Um, and has to do with uh, that business on uh, Cato Nemoidia that uh, Obi-Wan references in Revenge of the Sith. Again, it's another, it's a, it's a really good book. Um there's just been banger books after banger books, guys. And, and for people, maybe you're listening to this and, and you don't read a lot of the books. Um, this is like the invitation to do so. There's so much cool stuff in these stories that adds a lot to the characters and a lot of um, uh, nuance to these characters outside of just what we see in the movie. And, you know, and it, if you want to just have the movies, it's cool. And, you know, kind of make up stuff on your own and speculate on uh, motivations and things like that. But having this added context of who these characters are, for me, just enriches the entire thing. And I get it. Having a story about the Sarlaccs made me like, what the hell? I don't need that. I don't need to know the story about X, Y, or Z. Maybe that should just remain a mystery. It doesn't have to exist for you if you don't want to read it. But um, there's always a lot of cool stuff in these stories to take. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the type that I'm always looking for subtext. I'm almost trying to see like what the author's thinking as they're writing some of these things. We know that they exist within the, within the IP. Um, but if you listen to my review for rise of the red blade, like knowing personally what Delilah Dawson brought into that book adds a lot more to the story for me, <clears throat> kind of knowing what their headspace might've been or, you know, the same for, um, Kevin Scott's path of vengeance, um, knowing what his headspace might've been while he was writing the book 
to me adds a lot more gravitas to the story in and of itself because um, there's something personal within it just outside of it just being a star wars thing um but you know we had in the a certain point of view um a new hope book we get the moment of obi-wan's passing i forget who wrote that story uh should have done the research i suck at podcasting apparently um but uh, it's it's the final moments of Obi-Wan's life before he vanishes into the forest while he's fighting Vader. So you get that story kind of flipped on its head right now of Anakin's last moments and hearing Obi-Wan's voice uh, welcoming him into the light, into the force. Um, it's going to be emotional. You know what I mean? It's like um, the redemption didn't just happen in Luke's eyes, um, it happened for Obi-Wan as well to have this acceptance of his fallen brother, if you will. Um, yeah, this one's going to be another gut punch. Uh, and again, I'm really looking forward to it. And Mike Chen writes a hell of a story, guys. Go, go read the book Brotherhood and uh, before this comes out because it's going to add a lot <clears throat> to what the story is. Um, the next one is another character who's not in the movie. Um, and these are intriguing for me. And I love the author, Adam Christopher, writing The Steadfast Soldier about um, pride. Uh, I forget what it says. Uh, his title in The Rise of Skywalker. It's uh, something Admiral. Boy, I should really research stuff. Um, but um, somebody's yelling it in their car or whatever. They're like, you're a dope. It's the blah, blah, blah. Um, but this story, uh, again, Adam Christopher wrote Shadow of the Sith that came out last year. Again, another banger book, guys. Like, just adding so much stuff. It's a long book. Wonderful stuff. Adds a lot of context to the sequel trilogy. Go read it if you haven't. And if you have, tell me so. Tell me shut your damn mouth and just talk about stuff. Um, but this story, uh, it sounds like it's going to be like right after the battle. And Pride is with whatever other Imperials who are left on Endor. Finds the funeral pyre that Luke had for Vader and uh, maybe finds the Vader mask and helmet that Kylo Ren ends up with later on. Um, that's what it seems like. Um, but pride, this story comes from a place of defeat. I mean, it's right in the little blurb that they have. Written. They had lost and the lights in the sky visible despite the dawn were not fireworks or meteor storm. They were the last burning remnants of the greatest fleet the empire had ever assembled. The blasted debris raining down across the entire indoor system. So he was on the surface. Um, but if he's there, and I think the tease that they wrote for it on Twitter when they released all these cards, you know, had something to do with him finding something. Assuming it, it's Vader's, um, uh, mask and helmet. I, that's cool. I have no problems with that, but it does raise a question for me. And even though it's not specifically stated within this story, Delilah Dawson wrote a story called perfect weapon about Bayzine Natal, uh, who's in the force awakens. She's like with the bit she's with Grumgar, the big, um, uh, Dewooten, uh, in Maz's castle who almost looks like a giant Trandoshan, but it's not, um, like the ninth sisters, uh, a Dewooten and in perfect weapon, um, Bayzine Natal 
is there's an artifact that she has that uh, I forget who it is that's trying to get their hands on it. They never state what it is in the book, but it has some connection to Vader, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Again, it's a perfect weapon never got a physical release to my knowledge. I think it was just a digital ebook, Um, but I remember reading it a while back and I need to revisit it, but I wish they would just give it a physical release guys. I'll buy it. You got, you got one buyer right now, but if the intention of that story was, it was Vader's mask and helmet. And that's how Kylo Ren got it. Um, this story may retcon that, or, I mean, it could be something else that pride finds who knows, because again, having not read the thing, but if it is Vader's mask and helmet, I wonder what the artifact is or what the item is in perfect weapon. Um, and, and I mentioned it with the Rise of the Red Blade review. Delilah, if you're listening, I want to talk. I'm going to have to reach out to the Delray people and see if I can get you on the show because I have I have questions. I got a lot of questions about a lot of stuff uh, regarding Star Wars things that you've written. Um, but uh, the story by Anne Christopher could be um, some of those like tangential, tangential, I don't want to say the word, guys. Um, see, it's still the first order that we see later on. We know that the emperor had a contingency plan. That's a lot of what aftermath was about, uh, and the battlefront two story mode, but, um, it could be interesting to see how, um, what pride is thinking during all of that time and how it could connect to these other stories. And it's got my mind grapes going about, um, perfect weapon, which, um, go seek it out. You know, it's, uh, it's a thing. And, uh, it, Maybe hold some relevance. Who knows? Um, and the last story uh, of the 10 that I had picked out was No Contingency by Fran Wild. Um, this is a story about on Mothma. And there was a Mothma story in, from a certain point of view, A New Hope called Contingency, I think it was called. Um, and again, talking about the Rebellion one-shot comic, what Mon Mothma was thinking and how steadfast she was how headstrong she was about the plans and how things had to go down and you know uh, almost sacrificing herself because that whole comic is about they find out that there's an assassination attempt that's going to happen with Mon Mothma uh, with a really cool looking like bounty hunter assassin but this story um, by Fran Wilde it, it just goes to show that like this thing has to happen. This story has to happen. It has to work out. They have to win this thing. And a little bit of that is in that comic too. So like to see these connective threads of a story that takes place about a week before the movie. And then this story that's going to take place concurrently with the movie. Um, I love these overlapping kind of bits and how these things can, um, uh, you know, weave kind of in and out of what, um, you know, all of the added context that they give to the movie itself. And Mon Mothma has been front and center for a while now because of the storyline that she has in Andor with regards to her family. You can go back and listen to all my Andor breakdown stuff with people that I had on and what she may be doing with regards to um, Ahsoka coming out at the end of the month. Uh, Cause we see that she's in the trailer for that. So um, it's this weird, like in between space between the two where you know, Mon Mothma's whole life has been some kind of sacrifice, uh, it seems. And knowing what happens with the rebellion or the Republic after the Galactic Civil War and like disarmament and stuff like that, 
um, what her mindset would be at the cusp of this giant battle. I think it's going to be very interesting to, um, to get in. Um, again, just to add that context for what we're going to see on screen, maybe uh, in just a couple of weeks. So that's my 10 that I picked um, so far um, from this book. I do have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, the From a Certain Point of View by Alex Jennings, which is about Obi-Wan's conversation with Luke. I mean, Derp had kind of picked that one. I mean, that's the uh, Leo pointing uh, pick right there. Meme of like, you said the thing. Um, there was that one. There's uh, a burden of the burden of leadership by Danny Lore about Lando. Got to pick a Lando story, guys. Lots of cool stuff happening with Lando in the comics, especially the dark droid stuff that's going on right now because a Lobot. Charles Soul says that the next issue that comes out, issue 37 of Star Wars, is like a, almost a direct sequel of sorts to the Lando miniseries that he wrote a couple of years ago. Um, could be interesting how the story shapes out in the book. Um, Dune sees songs of salt in moonlight by Thea Guanzon. Is this story written from the perspective of Jabba's dancers? Um, that's what it seems like to me. They're like, they really hate Jabba. Um, they're talking about trying to kill. How do you kill a hut? They got three lungs. Um, how, where do you hide a blaster kind of stuff? And could be really, really interesting to find out what their mindset is um, before doing all the stuff that they need to do. Uh, and, and, and to have one of their dancers be the one that kills him. The hut slayer. The hut slayers in this book too, guys. Um, that could be really cool. And then the last one, Kickback by K. Arsenal Rivera. Um, I think I got the name right there. But this is, yeah. This story is about the much ridiculed high kick that Luke throws to um, one of the uh, skiff guards. I forget which species they are, but the character's name is Cyan. Pardon my burp. And um, it's like a force kick because Luke never connects and Boba's flying in the background. It's very comedic if you just seeing the gifts and stuff like that. Um, but um, it's going to give some some seriousness to that character in what is otherwise probably a very goofy scene in the movie. Um, I'm here for all of that. So those are my four honorable mentions and the 10 that I'm most looking forward to of the other 26 stories that are in this book. Not to say that I'm not looking forward to any of those because I want to read all of these things, obviously. Um, and what I can say about Star Wars short stories um, as opposed to the novels for myself personally, uh, specifically with these books, these books have given me probably my favorite piece of Star Wars literature across the board and maybe my least favorite, right? I'm not going to say what my least favorite is because I'm not trying to drag a story or anything like that. But my favorite story so far has been Will Wheaton's, um, I think it's Lana. Um I'm going to have to look this up, guys. Hold on a sec. It's Lena. L-A-I-N-A. Um, Will Wheaton's story in that first book was probably one of the most soul-crushing things I've ever read in Star Wars. And it's a short story, and it comes from one of these books. And the potential to have something 
like that in one of these stories for me is kind of what bring, keeps me coming back for some of these short stories. And what I like about short stories just in general is that you have to take a very large story and compress it down to something um, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Economic as far as like the storytelling is concerned. Um, you have to kind of condense things down into these little morsels and boy, they can pack a punch. And that Will Whedon story is, is the one for me. Oh, I'll never forget the day when I when I, I listened to the audiobook um, for that. I was at work. I was on a job site. And luckily, I was working by myself because that story crushed me. Um, it's one of the best things I've ever read uh, as far as Star Wars cons- is concerned. But guys, I want to know what you are excited about for this book. We got a couple weeks before it comes out. You can hit me up on the socials and let me know. You can drop me an email or a voicemail. And the easiest way to do that, guys, is to go straight to jammedtransmissions.com. It's the website that my man Sean Hoffman put together for me. Um, all the links for all the stuff is there. Twitter, Blue Sky Threads, wherever you can find me. Um, there's a link there for emails and voicemails. You can also put in a review uh, directly there. Links to the Tee Public. You guys want to buy a couple of shirts before the show starts in a couple of weeks. Um, Probably have some new designs coming up in the next couple of months. I haven't really decided what I want to do yet, but I got some in the bank uh, that I haven't put out yet. And um, yeah, just tell me what what you're looking forward to. Tell me your thoughts on books that have come out in the past, you know, things that you're looking forward to for, I don't know, phase three of the High Republic or any other books that have been announced. If you're looking forward to Crimson Climb, we'll talk about it. If you're looking forward to Tales of Light and Life, if you've read Tales of Light and Life because they've had copies at sale at... uh, or for sale at San Diego Comic-Con a few weeks ago. Um, it's uh, it's fun to talk about the books. You know, there's a couple of other shows that do a lot of book stuff. Talk about the Rogue Rebels with Sal Perales, or um, now this is lit with um, with Meg, and, you know, Tarkin's Top Shelf. There's uh, a bunch of shows that do book stuff and comic stuff. And as we're not talking about the TV shows, this is where Star Wars is going to live for now for, for some of us. But... Um, that's going to do it for this episode of, uh, or this chapter of jammed transcriptions. And, um, yeah, you guys know what to do. Rate, review, share the show, tell your friends about it. Uh, again, you follow me on the socials, socials at Cabane's Bounty everywhere. All that stuff is on the website. And, um, I don't think I have anything else that I want to get into. Um, so let's just leave it at that guys. We're going to cut it short. It's a beautiful day outside. I want to get out Maybe do some swimming. And so, you know, show off my dad bod, uh, go out, jump in the pool and I'll uh, be a dumbass for a little bit. But, um, yeah, guys, you know where you can find me and all that fun stuff. So, um, look out for new bro axiom stuff. I think I got that max rebo one coming out this week, but until next time, friends, when I might have some book reviews, um, I'll just say may the force be with you. Bad baby. <laughs>